David Bakhtiari thinks the Aaron Rodgers trade could get contentious, even to the point that Aaron Rodgers would stay in Green Bay. Plus, what is David Bakhtiari's future in Green Bay? And we look for the perfect, the perfect Packers players at the top of the draft. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Really Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats Your team. Oh. Every day. Touchdown! We're Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for the lead. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. David Bakhtiari had plenty to say on busting with the boys. Um, and look, I, <laughs> I'm not going to spend a lot of time with some of the body language doctoring and the parsing of the language. I know that there are some people out there who are going to say it wasn't weird that David Bakhtiari kept saying they about the Packers and referenced twice his future and whether or not he was going to be traded, even though pretty clearly at least this year, he's not going to be traded and maybe it's traded next year. But still, it, there was some there was some weirdness. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's nothing. Um, I, I don't know. I think either way, this is going to be the last year of David Bakhtiari. I'm going to get to that part of this in a second, though. He was first asked about the future of Aaron Rodgers. And of course, Bach is close with Aaron Rodgers. And so. The presumption is that he has some insight into what's going on here. He relished the fact that he got to troll Aaron about it, but also said he could see a scenario where the Green Bay Packers say, okay, cool, the Jets aren't giving us what we want. And actually, we as an organization don't want to give you what you want, Aaron Rodgers. In fact, we are not going to send you to the Jets. They are going to have to absolutely bowl us over with an offer or we are not sending you to the Jets and you can stay in Green Bay. We will pay you or you can retire, whatever, but we're not trading you. And I think that is some insight into how contentious David Bakhtiari thinks the relationship is between Aaron Rodgers and this front office. Now, whether or not the Packers would actually do that. And I don't think they would. I think everyone knows this has to end in a trade. It doesn't make sense for the Packers to cut off their nose to spite their face when it comes to an Aaron Rodgers trade. Get what you can for Aaron Rodgers while you can get it. But this speaks to the way that players often view front offices. And it's not through logic. It's through emotion because people act with emotion. General managers, owners have acted with emotion. In fact, often act with emotion. And so I think that gives us an understanding of where this relationship is. This bridge is burned. Aaron Rodgers will never play for the Green Bay Packers again. 
But David Bakhtiari, at least from his perspective, from the Aaron Rodgers camp perspective, thinks that the Packers could be so petty when it comes to Rodgers that they would be willing to just say, screw it. Retire. You're not playing for us and we're not sending you to the Jets unless they overpay us. So retire. I don't see that happening, but the fact that Bakhtiari thinks it could, you know, maybe maybe that's a little bit of leverage for the Packers if if they make it seem like that's actually a thing that they'd be willing to do, tell the Jets whatever. But I, I don't I don't see that, and it's not going to happen. Now on the football side, David Bakhtiari mentioned um, his knee. And being kind of day-to-day with it. And understanding there are certain days where he's going to be able to train hard the way he wants. And certain days where he's not. And he just has to listen to his knee. That's basically status quo from what it was last year. But we saw what that meant. That there are going to be days he doesn't practice sort of out of the blue. But but it's no longer going to be out of the blue. This is just going to be par for the course. This is part of the maintenance plan when it comes to David Bakhtiari now. And that means there could be days where he wakes up on game day and it's just like, no, this is not going to work today. And so I think that creates some uncertainty about his future. How much longer is he going to be in Green Bay? And we've talked about his contract before. It makes sense for the Packers to move on after this season. But could it be sooner? Could it be sooner? He's going to be on the roster to open the season. They have moved the money around to make sure he is on the on the, the roster to start the season. Brian Gutekind said he expects David Bakhtiari to be on the roster this season. But does he stay on the roster? Does he stay on the roster? Does he want to be on the roster? And I think this is part of where this conversation about trying to parse the semantics of what he says. You guys know. I love to say that I don't want a body language doctor, but I absolutely love to body language doctor. And that includes interviews where a guy says they over and over and over talking about the Packers. I mean, over and over. Oh, they're rebuilding. A lot of people are saying they're rebuilding. Like, isn't that, isn't that we? Like, people are saying we suck. Like, when an athlete says that, that the perception is that his team sucks, Usually an athlete says, we, I, I think it is in fact weirder for the people who are saying this is nothing, far weirder. Now, it's actually, it, then it would be to just have said that and not meant it the way that it sounds. Like if he's saying the team that he's on and calling them they, that's weird. Like that's weird. Maybe it's nothing, but that's weird. And so, okay, look, maybe it's, I'm open to the possibility that it, that is, is not an indication of his commitment to the Green Bay Packers. I'm certainly open to that. But the whole vibe and tenor of the conversation as it relates to the Packers and this idea that the Packers would be this petty and that they're locked in this, you know, battle of wills with Aaron Rodgers I mean, just on a human level, of course, it's got to sour your relationship with the team. Yes, it's a business. I understand it's a business. He, he, he goes on this, this long explanation saying, I understood it was a business. This could happen to anyone. And so you just got to enjoy the time. And okay, but it's still your friend. And if your friend 
is being jerked around by your employer, that's going to affect the way that you feel about your employer. And so if this is it, and it does seem like this is it, this last season for the Green Bay Packers with David Bakhtiari, and this season just doesn't go well, Jordan Love isn't it, or Jordan Love gets hurt, God forbid, and the Packers are staring, you know, I'd have to, I have to figure out exactly what the record would be, but let's say they've got like two or three wins at the trade deadline. I could see David Bakhtiari being dealt midseason because that's when you maximize his value. A team might be willing to do the Von Miller, a contending team, might be a team like the Jets, by the way, might be willing to say, look, we desperately need this guy. We think he is the missing piece to get us over the hump. We will overpay you the way that, that the Rams did for Von Miller. And that was an overpay not for Von Miller in a vacuum, but for Von Miller for maybe two months and no guarantee beyond that. And I think for, for David Bakhtiari on the deal that he has, because of that base salary next year, you're talking about a lot of money. Now, maybe on a new team, he would be able to work out an extension and would want to keep playing. But again, we don't know what the future is for him. So I think where, where I'm at is I, I already believe, and we've talked about on this show, that this was the last year for David Bakhtiari. I, I think it's more likely now, marginally so, but more, that he could get moved if the season is bad. And maybe that was a scenario we probably should have been looking at earlier anyway. Like it, I think in a vacuum, that makes the most sense anyway because that's how you're going to maximize his value. This, These comments and the tone just, I think, add a little bit of like seasoning. Just a little, little salt, a little pepper. That's all. To make you go, mm, this, is, this is probably going to end sooner than later. All right, we're going to talk about the draft. And I'm really excited to do this. I wrote about this concept for the leap. Um, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. But before we get to that, let's talk about your GMing skills. And this is a game that absolutely took off among the Locked On NFL hosts, something we still talk about in the group chats months after we all had a contest. I did not win. Um, Ultimate Football GM. You've heard me talk about it. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get total control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory, trying to build a historic dynasty. That means hiring the right coaches, the right coordinators, managing the finances, player salaries, but not just player salaries. You're talking about front office situation. You can change the price of concessions if you feel like you need to. Locked on Packers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store. That's locked on. So make sure to check it out today to download the game. Just visit ultimate-gm.com to look it up in the app store. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate football GM. Start your dynasty today. So we talked about this the other day. These RAS athletes, relative athletic score, and trying to find Packers types at the top of the draft. After we did that show, and I wish I had done it before, I went back and looked. In the Ted Thompson, Brian Gutekunst era, so we're talking about a long time now, back to 2005, almost 20 years of drafts. 
the Packers in top 50 picks, and they haven't had a ton of second round picks in the top 50, but they have had a number of them. They have taken one player, one football player with a relative athletic score below eight in the top 50. One. One. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. They're kind of weird about safeties. They like don't care about athleticism as much with safeties in the draft, it would seem. So I I went back and, and looked now. And I used Arias and then I used also some of the other thresholds with the, with the help of our pal Jake Morley, who did this for receivers and then went back and and looked at it through um, all the players basically in the draft guide that they put out there. Um, and so what I did is, okay, I overlaid it on the consensus board, the athletic consensus board, and just tried to figure out doing this, a similar sort of exercise of where the guys are likely to go. So who is likely to be available to the Packers? ESPN created this really cool model. Um, I, I believe it is, um, uh, market derived. So the odds of where these guys are being projected, all those kinds of things. There's a lot of cool data out there. I don't know that the, the betting markets really, really know, but we're talking about this is, you know, based on consensus. And so the guys who just flawless athletic profile check every box who are first round players, top 32 players on the athletic consensus board. Before I tell you the number, how many players do you think actually hit those those marks. And again, we're kind of guessing on this. This is based on draft history, based on draft trends. So, you know, we're we're flying semi-blind on this, but we have a lot of data now. And Brian Gudikins especially has really leaned into these athletic profiles. I think the advent of RIS has helped us organize this. And all of a sudden you look at last year and you're just like, oh my God, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Sean Ryan, Christian Watson, all of these guys, Romeo Dobbs, all these guys high RAS players. The Packers have always liked size speed, but then you can see like the agilities matter for offensive linemen and receivers. They just do. And the broad jump matters at position um, for position players, defensive line, offensive line, receivers. If you're moving, if you have to move really fast in one direction, broad jump is a thing. Except tight ends and safeties. That's just the weirdest one. Those two positions are just so weird. So here, the, the, the number, since I can't hear you guess, is five. Five players out of 32 who check every box athletically. Now that's that's among tested. So like Paris Johnson Jr. didn't test. We don't have an athletic profile for him. Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah, didn't test. We don't have an athletic profile for him. Someone like Broderick Jones tested, but we don't have a full battery of tests. We don't have agilities for him. Miles Murphy tested, but he didn't do the jumps. So we don't have a full battery of tests for him. So at at positions like those where the Packers seem to have some tendencies there, they didn't check that box. They didn't check that box. Who are the guys that did? Anthony Richardson. So 
greatest athlete we've ever seen at the quarterback position by testing. Not going to be there. Bijan Robinson. There would be something really funny about the Packers taking Bijan. I have to say, I don't. I don't think he's a top fifteen player. I don't think he's a top ten player. I don't. I don't get the hype. I would never take him at fifteen. I also don't think he's going to be there. I think he's going in the top ten. That leaves three players. One of them is Trent Simpson, the linebacker from Clemson. They cannot take an off-ball linebacker. Cannot do it. They just took Quay Walker in the first round. And they just paid Devondre Campbell. You just can't do it. That leaves two players. Jackson Smith, the Jigba. And Michael Mayer. Neither of whom are nine RAS players. In fact, they would be closer in that Darnell Savage range in terms of um, athletic profile in the first. Now they over eight, but not that, that like elite, elite athlete. But Jackson Smith, the Jigba has elite, elite, elite. Agility. His agility scores were historically good. Packers really care about agility at receiver. So there you go. And Michael Mayer is, by market share, one of the most productive and dominant tight ends we've seen come in the draft over the last few years. So there is elite traits, elite production there. So this goes back to my thing. For me, this is Jackson Smith the Jigma no matter what. That would be the guy that I want. But I think the Packers are going to be looking at tight end. I think Michael Mayer is absolutely the guy that I'm looking at. If they stay at 15, that is the guy that I think they will want most at 15. Now, add in, like Lucas Van Ness misses out on checking every box by fractions of percentiles. Um, Miles Murphy... I think probably given all of his other explosive athletic testing would probably have qualified. Paris Johnson, if he had tested, would probably have qualified. But you're adding risk. You're adding risk. When you don't check those boxes, every draft pick is a risk profile. And when you don't check every box, I can say, I think he would. You're adding risk. Now, we're talking about the draft, so it's like the 38th percentile of, of sureness versus the 40th. Like, I'm only a little more sure. So, but this is interesting now that there's there's such a small band in the first round because in the second round, it's a huge number. The board, and again, I'm not the only one saying this. I know a lot of Jets fans have come in off the top rope saying, oh, this is Cope. You'd rather have those two second round picks. In this draft, I'd rather have those two second round picks, and I'm about to show you why. Athletic consensus board, 35 to 55 with a relative athletic score over eight. Okay. There are 13 players, 13, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 players who hit that metric, okay? And if you go to 56, because 55 is arbitrary, but 56, that's Sam Laporta. He would also 
hit that metric. So you've got 14 players. Now let's eliminate the guys who don't check every box. Okay? Emmanuel Forbes, 166, corner. Get out of here. Derek Hall and Steve Avila. Derek Hall is a pass rusher from Auburn. Steve Avila is a guard from TCU. They are borderline, but both have the RAS. And Jalen Hyatt has the RAS, but is slight. And we know from the things that I've been told and from the reporting elsewhere that the Packers are willing to look the other way on Jalen Hyatt's size, only 176 at the combine. And that might even be bigger than he was at Tennessee. He's a thin guy, but can absolutely fly supernatural hands catcher, I think is just an absolutely dynamic weapon. Only ran 4-4, and I say only because, you know, I, I asked him at the Super Bowl, I was like, are you going to run 4-2s, like low 4-3s? And he was like, I want to run 4-2s. He didn't, but he looks that fast on tape. You could just make the fastest offense in the world. Like you can make the, the Christian Watson, uh, Romeo Dobbs, and... Jalen Hyatt offense would be speed-wise, like it would rival the Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill offense. And in a lot of ways be the exact opposite of what the Packers were in like 2017, 20, yeah, 2017, before MBS showed up, before EQ, those guys. When it's Devontae, who's, you know, a good downfield receiver because he's a really good receiver. Jordy at the end, Randall Cobb at the end. This would be the opposite. It would be really, really fun. But that's 14 players I just listed. Not, not two, 14. This is where the meat of the draft is. And this is also why I don't love Michael Mayer at 15 because you could get Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta, or um, Darnell Washington in the 40s. And the difference in those guys is not that big. Your, your chance of getting a receiver, I mentioned one receiver on this list, Jalen Hyatt. It's a weird receiver class. I, to me, get that guy early. But if you have 42, 43, and 45, let's say, and you get there, and let's say Hyatt is off the board, and you don't love any of these other offensive, uh, these other pass catchers, take another tight end. Take another tight end. Why not? You, you could, you, the Packers believe a lot in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. So why not take Michael Mayer at 15 and Luke Musgrave, who's more of a move tight end, huge, absolutely massive 6'6", 240, runs like the wind. Sam Laporta, who, despite going to Iowa, really more of a move tight end. Darnell Washington is not. He's more of a blocker, but like you have, and who knows, Dalton Schultz didn't test. Maybe he falls. We have no idea. I think he's going to go in the first round, but the medicals have to check out. We don't know what that situation is. So if I'm looking at this and I can get 42 and 43, I'm giving up 78 all day to move up to get Jackson Smith to Jigba. And then I'm like, I'm looking at this list going, okay, I can get Darnell Washington or Luke Musgrave or Sam Laporta. I can get a pass rusher like Isaiah Foskey or Felix Inadike Uzoma. I can get an offensive lineman like Matthew Bergeron or Cordy Mock. I'm set. 
I'm set. All I have to do, I'll take seven safeties on and corners on day three and be cool. Like that would be a home run draft for the Packers. This is where the meat of the draft is. And this is where I think it makes the most sense for the Packers to be going. We need these resources here. Now, I, I we things get a little more convoluted the later in the draft that you go. So like I, I haven't done this exercise for the Packers in the 70s. Um, but I can just give it a quick look here. There's some there's some interesting names in the 70s as well. Keanu Benton at 75. Clean. Diane Henley, the linebacker from Washington State. Clean. Christopher Smith, the safety from Georgia, who, by the way, when you watch Georgia, that guy pops on tape. I'm like, who is that guy? Q Blue Kelly from Stanford, the corner. Blake Freeland from BYU. Clean. Clean, clean prospects. Sidney Brown, the safety from Illinois. Pretty close to clean for the Packers. Julius Brents, the corner from Kansas State. Tucker Kraft, the tight end from South Dakota. You, 78, you could get a, a quality tight end. Clean. Clean prospects. So, at the top, not a lot of options. After that, man. So, th- this day two, this could be very much like last year where you kind of, you come out of day one a little underwhelmed. Oh, they took a non, non-premium position player, Michael Mayer. Like, he's a really good player, but like, I don't know if that's the best value. And then all of a sudden on day two with all these picks and all the value with all the the Packers types, they could just knock this out of the park the same way that they did in 2022. So an interesting conversation that I think is worth having. All right, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, Funny how our YouTube views on Aaron Rodgers shows are are higher. Comments are so much higher from Jets fans. Just funny how that works. So you can stay locked on Packers.